Hi, I'm Renelle Golden, and you're listening to the Movie Making Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Atlas VPN. Atlas VPN is a super easy tool designed to protect your personal data. They use next generation encryption and safe browse technology to keep your info secure no matter what device you're using. Podcast listeners can get 86% off two years of Atlas VPN, plus a free additional six months when they sign up using the Movie Making Podcast's exclusive link. Head on over to get.atlasvpn.com forward slash movie making pod. That's get.atlasvpn.com slash movie making pod. With so many benefits and protections, it makes sense why millions of people worldwide use Atlas VPN. Today we are here with Steve Stolier. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing fine. How about you, Renelle? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to talk to you and, and learn about your history and how you became a writer and some of the cool things that I know you've done through the years. So if you don't mind, let's let's kind of start at the beginning. How the heck did you become a writer? I think I had no aptitude for anything else. I have I cannot repair anything. Uh, if something's wrong with my car, you call AAA. That's how you fix it. Yep. You know, even as a, a kid, I liked to write. I remember in fifth grade just writing a short story about an alien that comes down to Earth and a kid befriends it and they go out at Halloween and it's the only time they could go out where it wouldn't look weird. It and then when you to a movie, this sounds e. like a good movie. I, my uh, representatives will e. be contacting <laughs> Mr. Is it Spielberg? I don't remember. Uh-huh. His name exactly. <laughs> no, it did. It was, a, it would have been echoes of ET if it didn't predate ET, but I think I wrote it in 1965. It's so cool. Um, I seem to have had a flair for wordplay and both my parents had good senses of humor, different kinds of humor. My dad liked to tell long, contrived stories. And my mom's side of the family liked dry wordplay puns. Almost like oh, what they say, puns. British humor. That type Yes, of- though, although Benny Hill flies in the face of that. That's true. I grew up with Benny Hill, so that's, that's a good really? point. <laughs> I'm oh. sure that's an interesting story for another day. Okay, yes. Yeah, some um, of his stories, yeah. <laughs> you I never forget. know. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, for the longest time, was interested in movies, current and old, and that sense of humor, which has kept my nostrils above the waterline through a lot of ups and downs in my life. <laughs> but I never really thought there was any kind of career involved in oh. in entertainment. I thought it's fine to like to sit and watch old movies or engage in banter back and forth, but who's going to pay for that? So I was initially a history major in college at UCLA. Um, I had a lifelong interest in fossils and artifacts and history, world history in the ancient world. Not that being a, yeah. Not that being a history major was going to be any any kind of short different than a writer, right? <laughs> fabulous wealth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's my degree in history. Now doubloons will rain. Maybe the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And it was actually, it was actually getting the job working for Groucho Marx that put me so in the middle of that magnetic pole that it became irresistible for me to try to push against it and say, well, no, it's a remarkable atmosphere and stimulating and inspirational, but really, I really should be a history major. And so never too late. Immersing myself. Yeah. Immersing myself in that atmosphere really pulled me into giving it more serious thought. And so I would try to write sketches and short humorous articles and things like that to kind of clear my creative throat. At some point, did you just be like, okay, I'm heading to Hollywood and then end up in Groucho's orbit? Or how did you get Well, it was easy to head to Hollywood when you grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, Um, you were born there. (laughs) I was no, I was born in St. Louis, but our family moved to L.A. when I was rapidly approaching eight. So I was I grew up out here, really. And so it wasn't that big a hop, skip and a jump to Beverly Hills. Wow. Um, I don't remember what your specific question was. So you ended up in Groucho's orbit. So did you get a job at a studio or were you, you, did you set out looking for him because he was like your childhood hero? He was my childhood hero. I became increasingly obsessed with the Marx Brothers and specifically Groucho um, right around high school. And I... All I wanted to do was meet him and shake his hand and thank him for all the laughs. But I didn't think there was much chance of that because he was old. And from news reports, I saw that he was getting frail. And I thought, there's just no way our paths are ever going to cross. But boy, I could die a happy kid if I could just shake his hand and maybe get his autograph. But don't push things. And instead, how can I encapsulate this? Uh, When I was at UCLA, I started a petition drive to put pressure on Universal Studios to bring out Animal Crackers, which was the Marx Brothers' second film that had been made for Paramount. And Universal bought up the old Paramount films, which included Animal Crackers, but because essentially a clerical error, the rights had reverted back to the authors of the stage play. And Universal didn't think there was any reason to spend good money to clear the rights to an old black and white Marx Brothers movie, which was heresy to all my friends because we were all Marx Brothers fanatics. And this was like their second film and Groucho plays Captain Spaulding and he has the line about shooting an elephant in his pajamas. Um, So I got in touch with Groucho's people, I guess you could say, and he came to UCLA and there were newsmen and crowds of T-shirt, blue jean, tennis shoes wearing hippie kids surrounding us. Just waiting. And talking. And I said, Groucho, I'm very happy to be meeting you after all this time. And he said, well, you should be. <laughs> and then Aaron Fleming, who was the young woman who was sort of in charge of his life at that time, said, this is Steve Stolier. He's the one who's trying to get Animal Crackers released. And Groucho said, well, so did you get it? And I said, well, not not yet, but but we're working on it. And he said, well, you better or I'll fire you. 
<laughs> I said, I didn't realize I was working for you. How much are you paying me? And he said, a little less than nothing. And I couldn't believe I was sitting next to my hero, yeah. trading quips, and uh, we talked to the news people about our our plight, trying to get this movie out. Yeah. And Universal relented and cleared the rights and brought it out. And it it broke the house record at the UA Westwood that had been set by the French Connection. Wow. So it was very gratifying for me to see a long line of kids waiting to see this old movie. That and Universal you made that happen. That's amazing. Well, it, the <laughs> phrase labor of love is thrown out a lot, which is probably the best thing to do with it. I think when you're a writer, there are a lot of labors of love. <laughs> but this was that. And, then it, and because, well, I had a couple of summer jobs and set, this was in 1974. A couple of summer jobs fell through. And it was a combination of feeling like I really don't want the Groucho connection to end, but there's no reason for me to be in touch with him now that the movie's out. But I need a job. So I called and got Aaron Fleming on the phone. Oh, wow. And I said, is there anything at all that you think someone might be? And she said, well, actually, I used to be Groucho's secretary. Oh. But now I'm his manager. And there's so much fan mail to deal with because of all the renewed interest in Groucho. And we need someone who really knows their Marx Brothers to put all of his memorabilia in order that goes to the Smithsonian after he's gone. And I'm oh, thinking, wow. please, 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 please. And show up. <laughs> I was hired to work right inside his house. I could make my own hours. Oh, wow. Um, I was welcome at the lunch table. There was no sense that the help ate in the kitchen or anything like that. And so you so have I was to spend a lot paid- of time with him. Yeah, I was being paid money to just immerse myself Do in what this you love. literal dream come true. Because yeah. I used to dream about meeting Groucho, and they were vivid dreams. And then as I would start to wake up, I would think, damn, it was only a dream. So here I am sitting at the lunch table asking Groucho yeah. about what life was like at the turn of the 20th century, and vaudeville, and the people that he knew, and... And it was just an astonishing experience yeah. uh, for a kid. And uh, so the positive aspects of it were endless. Wow. Um, the downside was getting close to my hero as he's fading out. Losing so I have a front him. row seat to his curtain. And then were dealing you there? with the Were, you, were you nearby when he passed? Yeah, I was still there. Wow. Uh, I worked all the way through to the weekend after he died. Oh, wow. Things had gotten very tempestuous at that point because there was a big fighting legal battle on, yeah, between Groucho's son, Arthur, and then Aaron Fleming for who should be in charge of Groucho. And I was caught in between. Uh, Arthur didn't trust me because Aaron had hired me. And Aaron didn't trust me because in my deposition, I was honest about how verbally and emotionally abusive she could be. Uh, so sort of stuck in the wow, middle that's, of the that's referee so between these warring factions. But I was there to the end. So, yeah, dealing with his mortality and dealing with her mercurial. I mean, she was later diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. 
Oh, wow. Putting, okay. putting a frail elderly man in the charge of a woman who lives in a separate reality mm. is really a tough thing. And I was just this 20-year-old kid. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it was all alien to me. I grew up in a very middle-of-the-road, low-key household, and here are these big personalities. Yeah, that would be a little intimidating. What You went on to make a um, documentary about him, or did... Did you end up doing I've, that? I've worked on documentaries uh, on Groucho and other people. Yeah, there was one called Inside the Marx Brothers that I produced. Um, and I, and I, I wrote a... Pardon? Did you ever get to meet, like, the other Marx Brothers, or were they yes. all passed at the time? Chico and Harpo had died years earlier uh, when I was okay. a kid. But the two straight men, Zeppo and Groucho, uh, Zeppo and Gummo, were still alive. And they lived in Palm Springs, and they would come up from time to time and visit. And it was remarkable to sit and watch three of the five Marx brothers at the dinner table being funny and thinking, what must it have been like when all five were alive and at the height of their power? So alive. Uh, I also have the distinction of having dated the same girl Zeppo dated. Because he... I, I was... I was go. I had a date set with her, and Aaron Fleming said, "Zeppo's coming up for dinner tonight. Why don't you come by?" And I said, "Why well, would?" But I have a date, and she said, "Bring her." And I thought, "Oh, this is good." So Did we arrived, happen? and Zeppo kind of took a liking to her. He he sort of picked up where Chico left off in oh. terms of an eye for the ladies, and he had recently lost his second wife to um. Frank Sinatra. Oh, oh! I thought you meant Barbara, like Barbara Marx became Barbara Sinatra. So Zeppo was single in '74, oh. and I was nine, uh, twenty, and she was nineteen. So after she and I broke up, I had a couple of photos I wanted him to sign. So I sent them to him with a cover letter saying, "Well, Linda and I broke up. If you have any advice for the love, Lauren, I know you've been around the block a few." He times. moved in after. He called me from Palm Springs, Steve at Zeppo Box. I hope I'm not bothered. No, no. Listen, I got to, I got the photos. God, I was good looking back. <laughs> and uh, listen, I don't want to step on your toes, but do you think that Linda would go out with me? Oh and my! I thought, this is really weird. I'm asking for advice for the love lord, and he's hitting on. He wants your woman or your old ex woman. <laughs> I said, "Well, I, I, I'll have to ask. I mean, I know she enjoyed meeting you, so I, I called her, and she had that same sort of. This is really weird, but intriguing in terms of an ex- a life experience. Well, you know who it is, right? So he he took her to dinner in San Diego, and then just to see a Hialeah game in Tijuana. I guess that was his standard first date. He said, said, Steve, I want you to know I didn't even kiss a good night. She was very nice, but all she did was talk about herself. I saw her on campus and she said, Zeppa was very nice, but all he did was talk about himself. And then for for uh, years thereafter, when That's Zeppo right. would be at a party at Groucho's, he would pull someone over and say, this is Steve, he's a nice fella. He and I dated the same girl, but he got further with her than I did. So 
I now have the distinction. That's a great story. I love that. I mean, how many people, plus meeting three-fifths of the Marx Brothers, which isn't a bad batting average. Yeah. Oh, how amazing. After Groucho was gone, I I got a job working at Universal Studios in the steno pool, typing scripts on a Selectric 2 from 11 to 8 every day. Oh, wow. Meta, Kojak. Animal House and Coal Miners. How were they done back then? Were they handwritten and then you got to type? Some of them were handwritten. Some of them were hammered out on a on a regular typewriter. And you had to format they would, them. They would, they would break them up into batches and give them to different typists who would type them onto masters that were sent to the print shop and then replicated. And then revisions were, let me see, white, pink, blue, yellow, green was the wow. rainbow each time they'd have changes in them. Yeah. So, and, and as I'm typing these things, I'm thinking, I bet I could do something like this. I, boy, the, they don't have to be Pulitzer Prize winning, brilliant thing, you know? Yeah. And then in the meantime, to drop a name, I became friendly with Dick Cabot as a result of my Groucho connection. Oh, okay. We corresponded during the Groucho, my Groucho three-year stint. Yeah. And and then when Groucho died, I figured, well, I guess Cabot's not going to stay in touch with me because the pipeline into all the drama at Groucho's house is over. Um, And instead, he called me and he said, listen, I hope just because Groucho's gone, we're not going to lose touch. And by the way, I've shown some of, I hope you don't mind, but I've shown some of your letters to Woody and he says they're very well written. So I emptied the urine out of my shoes, (laughs) double whammy. And so Cabot has been a big brother brother in a non-Orwellian sense. So he he was kind of your mentor too then? Yeah. I mean, he's the one, he hired me out of the steno pool to move to New York to write for him at HBO. He believed in me. Oh, that's so cool. He he gave me, quote, my big break. And uh, I drank in the whole Manhattan experience, which was another adventure. And then I got him to write on something back in LA. So I ended up moving back here. But and writing, I wrote episodes of Murder, She Wrote, and Simon and Simon, and the new KRP in Cincinnati, and Sliders, and other things. And then in the meantime, I wrote, people kept saying, you ought to write a book about your Groucho adventures. Yeah. But, you know, I was just, I was only there for the last act. And there's just, and I, and I thought, maybe it I was a big cop- act. couple together some of the yeah. best stories for an article for Vanity Fair or Esquire or something. So I started writing and ended up with a book-length manuscript. Oh, wow. Raised eyebrows, my years inside Groucho's house. And Dick Cavett wrote the introduction, and Woody Allen said it was one of the best books about a show business icon he'd ever read, which was very gratifying. That's so cool. Yeah. And... um, and I eventually got, after many rejection slips, got an agent, and many more rejection slips got a publisher. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and now it is being developed as a motion picture. So cool. With Jeffrey Rush champing at the bit to play the elderly Groucho. 
Oh, and, that's uh, cool. It's been a remarkable, ex- I mean, the, the Groucho experience changed my life because it shifted me over to writing and entertainment. And then writing about that led to being a published author and now, you know, co-producer on a movie about a, a part of my life with people playing people I knew, including someone playing me at 20 with my mutton chops and full head of hair and mustache. So cool. It's been an interesting journey. Yes. Well, and that's what it's all about. And it's very different now than it was 70s, 80s, 90s. How have you like kept up with the change? There's some things better, like with uh, rewrites or writing our screenplays. But what do you think about all of that? Well, it is, it's gotten more insular. Um, most TV shows now are staff-written. So if you're not on the staff, it's tougher for freelancers. Because uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, my agent would arrange for me to go pitch stories to a show, and I would sit down with a legal pad and come up with possible story areas. And then you go and pitch those. And if one intrigues them, then they send you home to flesh it out a little more. And if they like that, they can send you the script. And then eventually the staff would tinker with it. But you still had a solid chance at being one of the writers. But between the fact that it has gotten so staff written and the fact that I'm now uh, a living fossil, not unlike the horseshoe crab or the ancient lungfish, the sea I'm right behind you. I get it. Off the coast of Madagascar. <laughs> um, uh, I have to face the fact that uh, I'm not in demand uh, yeah. you know, for that. And so it's been self-generated stuff. I mean, like, yeah. like the Raised Eyebrows book and film. Um, I've also done voice work for for radio and for animation. I was going to say, I saw a bunch of animation in your background, too. Yeah, I worked on some of the Charlie Brown specials, and uh, uh, I did several voices for Frosty Returns. Oh, that's so cool. And I was hoping that I thought maybe what they'll do is staple this to the end of Frosty the Snowman, and every year it'll become part of the beloved holiday classics. And sure enough, at eight o'clock they run Frosty, and eight thirty they um, run Frosty Returns. And then I get a nice residual check for the work that I did many years ago. Those and things work- are timeless. Oh yeah, and working on that was great fun because the other people doing voices were john goodman and jan hooks and oh, wow. Brian Doyle murray and andrea martin did you guys and, all go in together and play off of each other or one at yeah, a time yeah around microphones and also nice. sang there was frosty the snowman and then another song about snow that was written just for that I special bet. and then a, there was a little girl who who was the star because she's the one that interacts with frosty the snowman and uh I remember that she was very professional, um, but I didn't remember much about her personality. Uh, And she grew up to become Elizabeth Moss. Oh, no way. Way. I didn't know that. 
She wow. was a, she, I, so I worked with Elizabeth Moss, but I didn't realize it. It's wonderful. Yes. And she, I think oh, she was wow. nine. Wow. So yeah, it's been, you know, and I, I have sort of a flair for voices and, uh, but you know, there is no, there's no magical route to staying employed or. I started uh, pretty late in my career. I started, I had a performing arts academy and I went blind and through that process, I, yeah, I can see some now. I still get treated, but oh. through that process, I um, I, I became a writer. And it was the craziest thing. And then I started, you know, making movies and, and writing. I was into music, and I found out I love writing more than I loved music. It's crazy, but well, um, I it's started. Good that late. You followed. You followed the path instead of saying no. I decided I'd do this, so I'm not going to get distracted by that. Instead, you let the you let the stream flow in the direction it wanted to. Yeah, it just kind of happened. And um, I love writing. I love telling stories. I've been doing it since I was a child. I, I used to, when I was five and six years old, gather all the kids around in Ohio, and we'd sit on the sewers, and I would tell them <laughs> terrifying stories as the sun was going down. Ooh. And eventually all the parents started calling my mom and they're like, uh, we cannot have your child around our children anymore because they can't sleep at night. You were canceled before I it was, was canceled popular. at like six. It was funny. Wow. Yeah. Eventually. How, flatter how flattering that you're off the top of your head imagination uh, yeah, created such was vivid weird. images that you were banned in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, starting late, I am already at that point. It's a little more challenging. So I do yeah. tend to like, if people aren't lining up for you, make your own stuff. You know, that's kind of what I always tell people like, don't let the nose discourage you. Find a way through that door or make your own things. It's it's interesting. What advice would you share to somebody now, you know, that 20 year old, 30 year old, 40 year old? In entering the industry, don't say run. My best, my best advice, no, my best advice is not to take anyone's advice because, and including that. Because, yes, okay. Because as I say, there is no magical formula. So when you have people saying, I'll tell you exactly how to do it, mm -hmm. make a list of three blah, blah, and be sure to always do this and make sure and double space. And it's like, it may have worked for them and it may work for this person. Right. But I guess the encouraging thing is there are so many different roads that can lead to something you've written or created being seen by someone. And now, of course, with the Internet and there's YouTube, so many networks and you don't have to rent a 16 millimeter film thing. You can just true. hit record and all of a sudden it blasted out there that's so true persistence is important it's that's a tough thing as well because you don't you don't want to give up at the first rejection on the other hand to bang your head against the wall until you're living on the street because of your art yeah is not the best way to make you know to live a life to get but through you yeah you can't know as it's happening if you are being foolish or persistent or but but you do have to have some sense of you know i've been trying this for 37 years and no one answers my call it doesn't work yeah that 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 you know 
It's that someone said, if 10 people tell you you're drunk, you should probably lie down. <laughs> so I think Oscar Levant said this. If you're at a party and 10 people, it, it, one at a time, 10 that's people such a good, drunk, you I've should probably go that. and lie down. Oh my uh, God. But that you shouldn't be discouraged from following your muse or compulsion, whether it's, yeah. you know, poetry or movies or children's books or yeah. or whatever. Acting is harder to do in a vacuum because you need yeah. someone on the other side. You need an audience. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, again, there's, you know, putting together your sample reel to show. And, uh, and do you think things are better now? With all the technology that it's, you know, better for as a whole for people in this industry. Part of the recent strike was over artificial intelligence. Which is scary. You never hear about artificial stupidity. I guess because there's enough genuine. Maybe it's real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, nothing. It's like nothing is good or bad. It's what you do with it. You know, that, that genie is out of the bottle. Just right. like social media, which I love for being able to spar with friends and have carry on a dozen conversations at once or spread the word. Yeah. That, uh, there's a new thing to read or podcast that I was on, for instance, just yeah. to pull out of the hat. But then there's all the mis and disinformation and anger that gets stirred up. There's and a lot of that, that end up hating each other that that had been friends for years because of what they read on social media. So it's what you do with it. And, you know, the same with CGI and artificial intelligence. So, you know, I don't know, better, worse. uh, It's hard to qualify it like that. Yeah, it's definitely different. You know, I honestly did not know about the, um, until the strike, just how um, serious the AI issues were for writers and for actors. And it was the strike. I started reading and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, yeah, you- they, they fed my book into this machine and then told it to use it to or, uh, you know, to write a screenplay. Act- yeah, certainly with actors to, you know, you can take dead actors and put them into your movies if you want or yeah. make them, you know, with this also gets into the whole deep fakes thing where you so yeah. you know, I shudder to think about what the political commercials are going to be for the 2024 yeah. election because oh they're so good at making things. You can make someone say anything. You can. My kids terrifying. have been telling me about that. They're 28 and 22. And I was like, there's what? Yes. And I didn't realize what was happening to stars and things with these deep fake type yeah. events. Um, I don't want to talk about them too much because they're not appropriate, some of them, but I was like, you what? And now I'm, I'm there's, all, there's also things like the de-aging of Harrison Ford. Okay, and- I might like that one. Could I have that one? No, I'm just kidding. But but yeah. You want it for real life. Yeah, it's true. It is true. Well, you have been awesome to talk to. Is there anything coming up that you're working on that you want to share about the the Marx film? Well, my focus my focus is going to be on uh, lining up the ducks for the raised eyebrows film. Yay! Uh, so cool. Now that the strike is over and we can go back to to. I love it. I love that. it. If people want to um, find you, where do they look? In your house? <laughs> Under any moist rock. Ooh. Uh, no. Uh, um, wait. 
I do have, uh, well, my book Raised Eyebrows is on Amazon in uh, book and Kindle and uh, audio book with me doing all the voices and reading it. Oh, I love or, that. Thank you. If they would like to get a signed or personalized copy, they can order it from my website, which is Steve Stolier, S-T-O-L-I-A-R dot com. And I would be happy to set them up with that. Uh, I'm on Twitter, which I will never call X, the same way Grauman's Chinese Theater was never Man's Theater or yeah. the CL Theater. You can't, you can't just buy something and make it Doug's Eiffel Tower, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, or, or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Hmm, uh, that's so funny. Anyway, but yeah, I'm around, and it's not too hard to find me, and I hope you don't have malevolent purposes in tracking me down. Oh, um, no, we're good. I, was, I had to okay. think about it. No, we're good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I love to wrap up my show with uh, five goofy questions. Uh, so if you're game, I'm going to ask them now. I'm game. Yay. Okay. All right. First question. I may not answer them, but I'm game. Oh, well, if you don't answer them, I'll make up something. Yeah, maybe. And I'll use your voice. I'll try to do your voice. You can replicate it with artificial intelligence. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not that smart. So. Okay. Uh, okay, first question. What is your favorite food to eat? Oh, food to eat? Yeah, not to I look see. at. Because, well, I mean, Cezanne would paint food, but, but you're asking oh. what I like to eat. Yeah. I like to eat all sorts of things. I like sandwiches, and I like a chocolate more in brownie or cake form. Yeah. Um, I like Chinese, Mexican. There's no specific... I would kill like time anywhere for noodles Romanov. Ah, okay. But, well, that's so. that's kind of good, right? Okay, this question's a little more serious, but right. what is something that inspires you or motivates you in life, non-film related, non-writing? Uh, uh, saving democracy from the right which is anything but conservative. They've become radicals who uh, have somehow come to believe that destroying the Constitution and law and order and democracy makes you patriotic. No. That's a tough one because there's hard. no easy fix for that. But that does occupy a lot of my cranium, and I will type myself hoarse on uh, social media. Talking. Oh, wow. Well, you know where I live, so, yeah. Ohio, high in the middle round in the end, so Ohio. Oh, that's where I was born. I'm, I'm in Florida oh. right now. I'm going to uh, AFM, though, in November, so I'll be in California. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. okay. I'm excited, yeah. Uh, okay, next question is, what is something you have always dreamed of doing but you haven't done le yet like a bucket list item clean my apartment <laughs> do you got some kids aren't your kids supposed to do that no i don't know <laughs> I, I have a cat and uh, oh. he's not that helpful oh honestly he uh he he'll do 
some light cleaning, but he's afraid of the vacuum. Cleaning. He might lick your nose or something, right? <laughs> yeah. we're, we're both afraid of the vacuum cleaner, which is why Me my... Too. Yeah. I, you know, my bucket list consists of making a bucket list. I really, I don't think in terms of broad dream, if I could, if only I could, I would love... You mean I, either. I, yeah. yeah. But the, the positive side of that is that I can be content with not very much. I don't have to be fabulously wealthy. I don't have to drive a shiny car. I don't have to be able to drop everything I'm doing and fly to Tibet if I want to. I can be content, you know, with my cat and, and friends. Yeah. And uh, it's not so bad. So. That's kind of what life's about, right? And that means you're living fully. You're good with what you have in the moment. I love that. Yeah. I love that. More, more or less, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. A fun question. They're all what? fun. When I get finished with them, they're all fun. They're, they're all fun, yes. I, I need to think of some good ones, but I'm not good at that. So, okay. all right. Give me bad ones. Okay. What is your favorite song to sing? At the top of your lungs when you drive in the car. Do you have one? Do you drive? You know, <laughs> I do drive. You know, every every dusk I take a four-mile walk. Oh. And people are always surprised that I don't have an iPod with me. Oh. And I tell them it's because my, my brain is constantly on shuffle. And it will change from walk to walk. And sometimes I don't tend to sing, but I hum and I have a good sense of rhythm. So some part of me is keeping the beat. So sometimes it will be a Beatles album with the songs in order. Sometimes it will be Gershwin songs. Sometimes it will be the Love and Spoonful. Sometimes I love it. it will be uh, uh, Rolling Stones or Beach Boys, a lot of classic rock. Um that's and one one just kind of dovetails into the next. It's like I'm a DJ that dials down one and dials up another. That's one cool. Seems to, and I, so I seem to be constantly humming something, but there's no specific single song. I hum a lot. Shuffle. So much so that I get yelled at. It's like, Renell, stop humming. We're at the dining table. Or, you know... <laughs> But well, if it's in lieu of conversation, then other people would, would be offended by that. But if I'm just by myself, which I am walking. Then you're uh, okay. Yeah. I love it. That, that I is run so into cool. an occasional coyote, but uh, yeah, two nights ago. Oh, for real? For Very real. nice. He and did not devour me. And you're in LA? Yeah. In the city? And it's got coyotes? It does. Coyote. I love it. Coyotes, raccoons, skunks. Everything. There's, there's still That's a lot backyard. of foliage and bushes and, and all that sort of thing. So you, you do, it doesn't take much, uh, it, you know, especially if you drive up into the hills, Laurel Canyon, yeah. all that, you'll see deer. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, this is so cool. Here are these multi-million dollar homes with these famous with people nature. living there. Yeah. And there's a deer I love it. I've seen coyotes. Uh, we lived top. in Moore Park. I think um, I lived there for a while my, when my kids were little, and I I think we saw bears even. Oh, my. And remember, Moore Park is crack room backwards. 
Oh, Hello? Are you still there? Please. <laughs> I'm still there. Your call I never is do very that. important to us. Please. I'm spelling it in my head. I'm like, it's what? <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. That's so funny. All right. Last question. And I, yes. I, I could guess the answer, but um, maybe I've got an idea. What is your favorite movie? Oh God, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. It's not I a Marx be, I used to be able to do things like favorite or top 10 or something. I don't have any. I've seen so many. Uh, I just can't. I can't. Although I suspect it would be something from the 30s as opposed to medium recently. Yeah. Or silent. Oh, my uh, God. But man, between the Marx Brothers and the early Universal horror films and The Wizard of Oz, and the awful truth with Cary Grant and Irene Dunn, oh, wow. yeah. and the Blue Angel with Dietrich, and I don't know. There's just there's too many, and then all the noirs that are wonderful. To yeah, what you, myself. I'm supposed to stop the interview after the five questions, but I I have a question I'd love to ask you. What do you think of today's technology, the HD? It kind of bothers me when I'm watching a film. I can see their pores and. And I sort of miss the old style of film. Yes, also the swish, the swish pan, I think is gone, which is yeah. for those don't it has nothing to do with brooms, and I have nothing to do with brooms since my apartment is clean. But <laughs> I digress. In older movies, when the camera would zap from left to right, you would get a blur, which was so cool. You would see, you would see someone sharp. And then there'd be a blur, and then there'd be some other part of the room. Yeah. Now, because of technology, it keeps trying to catch and focus, focus on things. Yeah. So it's as smooth. So I don't like that. Also, in terms of technology, I used to love to show people animal crackers as an example of, mm -hmm. of uh, stationary microphones because the boom hadn't been invented yet. And right, they had to right. hide the microphone in different parts of the set. Yeah. So at the beginning, when Zeppo makes his entrance, I used to show people that as he turned his head, you would get, I represent the captain who insists on my informing you of these conditions under which, but because of technology, they have, quote, fixed that. They move with and you or you have to laugh. The audio, because some 20-something guy is sitting at a console saying, oh, there's a dropout in yeah. the audio there we can fix that and i can fix that it's fixed yeah it's like, no you now you've taken away a piece of the artifact value so anyway as i say technology is neither good nor bad it, it's different it's it used for good or evil <laughs> i just don't like change no i'm just kidding yeah. but uh you know I that, prefer it is what it money is, well you have been amazing to talk to i've loved talking to you thank you so much for just hanging out with me today i hope you'll come back and talk to me again movie making with renelle golden is brought to you by samira entertainment supporting indie films and the filmmakers who create them stop by their website to learn more www.samiraentertainment.com that's www.samiraentertainment.com You've been listening to Movie Making with Renelle Golden. Be sure to come back for our next episode where we bring you the people who make movies you love. 
Got a topic about filmmaking you want to hear on our podcast? Send us an email at moviemakingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.